0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is The Grindhouse Syndicate, a horror movie podcast. It's Friday the 13th. I'm your host, Chris, and that is my co-host, Jordan. And it is week three of our Halloween blowout yard sale. Come get it all for a dollar. Leave the dirty panties and the hockey mask, please. It's a Friday the 13th. In October. And uh, hopefully you had heard that we are going to release this episode a little early and you are listening to it actually on the 13th. So happy Friday. The 13th. The 13th. (laughs) Uh, So today uh, we are going to cover one of the more unique Fridays in the franchise. I guess that's the best way to say it. It of, is It is unique. It's more I the think, unique ones. I think it is the only one that somebody has uh, superhuman abilities it is. other than Jason. Yeah, in my research for the movie that actually came up, uh, I think that's actually one of the things that they talk about in that little box set you have, is this is the first one where Jason battles someone else with some supernatural power shit going on. Yeah, and he's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. Uh, If you're not really super familiar with the Friday the 13th franchise, this one that we're going to cover today is part seven, the new blood, which is essentially Carrie versus Jason. Uh, Mind power versus uh, zombie Jason strength. It's pretty much a pay-per-view match. It is, it is um, not quite that that mankind and Undertaker, but it's it's up there. Not that, but um, do you do you happen to know or have you ever wondered anything about you know why it's called the New Blood? Um, well, that's a good question. I have read about that before, and I can't, I, I, I can't remember why it's called that. I I had always wondered that, and I wasn't exactly sure you know I just assumed it was because uh, we're kind of getting a new is it a new main character okay yeah I was that was gonna be my question that was that's, Tommy Jarvis That's is, my theory over. that okay. was my theory but now I know the real answer and I'll tell you about it later on in the episode Wow I gotta wait for I was why I even bring <laughs> it up why not just ask me later um, because I thought it would be great to leave you hanging for the next hour and a half I, I so. know I know I've read this, and I'm pretty sure it's in the the Camp Crystal Lake the documentary. um probably I, I think it's in there. I can't remember. Uh, so my guess would be what your guess is off the top of my head, which is that the the Tommy Jarvis saga is over. but uh apparently I'm wrong. so well, I mean that's not it you're not entirely wrong, but there's more to the story of the title of the movie. but wait, there's more. Yes, uh, but first we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is uh, the Exorcist believer. <laughs> we'll we'll touch on that for a moment. So it just came out last week, and it doesn't look so great. Uh, it's getting trashed by the critics, but you know that doesn't mean that doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, a lot of horror movies get trashed by the critics. But it also is uh, not doing great with the audience as well. It has like a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. People are pretty much saying that it's uh, basically your your standard possession movie. There's nothing really new or different about it. Ellen uh, Burstyn is barely in it. She's you know doesn't have a lot of screen time, which is kind of it kind of sucks because. You know that was one of their big things that they pushed in the advertisement was that she's coming back. It sold some tickets with that. Yeah. Uh, the actual exorcism itself is pretty lackluster and not very long, from what I hear. Uh, somebody said that it is basically a conjuring movie with an exorcist sticker slapped on it. Uh Oh, and that was a that was a dagger to my heart. That well, I mean, I you know I don't think the. I think as far as those types of movies, The Conjuring movies are some of the better of those type of movies. Um, I'm suspecting it's worse. Well, you know, I don't say that as like a diss to The Conjuring. The Conjuring being what it is, it's very straightforward to what it is. It doesn't try to be something else. But this movie is trying to be one of the greatest movies ever made. And I wouldn't say The Conjuring is one of the greatest movies ever made. No, so, no. yeah, the, you know, I'm not trying to diss on The Conjuring, but I'm just saying that if you're going to slap The Exorcist on a movie, it better be pretty damn good. And this is not this is not it. Oh, I, I agree completely. Uh, for those who have heard the previous episodes when we brought this up, I have mentioned you kind of called it. Me, yeah, That called it. This was a big fear of mine. Um, specifically when the trailer released and I first seen that just from what I could gather from the trailer, it felt like your stereotypical, uh, nowadays exorcism movie, which they're all kind of the same. And, uh, I was praying that they were gonna film it more like the original exorcist, but you know, from, uh, first, first reviews coming in, it does not sound like that is the case. I think the problem is, and this goes back to the Halloween movies too from the last couple of years, David Gordon Green is a good director. Like all of his movies look really good. He he shoots them really good. He directs them really good. I think he's a good director. I don't think he's a good writer. I think his writing is very mediocre to sometimes he makes kind of bad decisions it's like he's trying to be so different on purpose that it just comes out bad so i'm not saying that he's a bad director but i don't care for his his writing i think the movies are beautiful just the story is not great and that may be what's going on here uh, i agree i agree with that i feel like uh to, to do one of these movies justice, whether it's The Exorcist or Halloween, you have to be a really big fan. That way you can make a good movie with what the fans want, but there's certain things that you don't do in a movie. And I was really worried when I found out about the, he was doing The Exorcist because of how Halloween ends was. That was an absolute, like a, a huge Halloween fan would not have made that movie. Uh, the way Michael Myers gets his ass whooped in that movie and he's like, a, I mean, he's like a hermit that gets his mask stolen and, you know, a huge fan of the franchise, I feel like would have never made those decisions. Yeah, I, f- I feel like you're right. I think a lot of it's I want to be different. W- let's do this different. The problem is with these franchises, the fans don't want different. They no. want they want the franchise. That's what they're there for. That's what they fell in love with. We don't need you to rewrite the story. Yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't got a chance to see it yet. So I don't want to, uh, you know, completely shit on it. I want to see it for myself. But this is pretty much the initial uh, reaction from critics and, and just regular moviegoers. That's what they're saying about this. I have seen a couple people say they, they enjoyed it. But the vast majority is not too pleased with it. Meanwhile, though, Saw X is doing great, so uh, we we weren't completely let down with uh with kind of the horror movies that came out at the beginning of October. Saw X is killing it, then that's great. And we, we we uh we touched on you know some Saw X stuff uh, last episode in the beginning, so we won't go down that road. But it's doing awesome. Everything I hear about it's really good, and I'm very happy that Saw is kind of back to uh, the top, back to its original kind of style. X gonna give it to you. Oh, I yeah. say they should have, they should have, they should have got some DMX in there for that one. I am, I, I hate hearing that song. I feel like I've heard that <laughs> song so many times. It's one of those songs I didn't originally hate now it's like you just you've heard especially that one like 10 15 second chunk of it and i just would like literally put my fingers in my ears if i heard it again especially the age we were like Um, some of the thing even some good songs out here that i'll you know i haven't heard in 10 years not hear it and be like oh like didn't age well it's a good song but oh Yeah, so uh, the last little thing that we'll kind of touch on for news is uh, Terrifier 2 is heading back to theaters November 1st to celebrate the movie's one-year anniversary. Uh, We did talk about this uh, a little bit last week, but there's a little more to add to it. So the movie will feature a special introduction from creator Damien Leone along with a never-before-seen Terrifier 3 teaser. Hell yeah. Yeah. He basically says, you know, this is what we've been working on and the movie doesn't actually come out till next year, but he does want to show the fans. This is this is what you got to look forward to. And this is kind of what we've been working with. Did this, I? This dude's great, man. <laughs> did I call that last week? You did. I think, yeah. I, I, I think actually I just did. edited that. Yeah. And yes, that's exactly what you said. That awesome. You figured that's what it was going to be. But wait, there's more. Billy Mays. Yeah. Billy Mays in the house. Billy Mays. From the grave. Hodge of cocaine. On opening night, the first 100 fans at each theater will receive an exclusive thing of OxyClean. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's more. (laughs) No, so um, the first 100 fans at the theater, they will receive an exclusive Terrifier 3.0 poster and that's what they did for uh yeah, three, three from hell yeah, I which, really want to be there for that. yeah yeah me too I want that poster yes I actually uh I haven't seen them do that since three three from hell actually I, I that's when I made Brooke go back through so you I could get you a poster too yes which we now can't find no no I can't find it well, you lost it. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I it's around here somewhere. I went to go hanging up and just couldn't find it. I, I'll I'll double check to make sure. I feel like I remember getting it. I I remember getting it, I, I remember getting it down. I give don't it to you. Know where it could be though. But anyway, uh, so a little quick thing I want to touch on. This past week, I watched a movie that has had a lot of buzz around it. That I kept hearing about. It was supposedly a very unique movie, and. I decided to check it out. It is the movie, uh, like the Hulu original, "No One Will Save You." It, it, you know, a lot of people really like it. It's got a lot of buzz around it. Um, I mean, it wasn't bad, but I, I don't personally see the the buzz with it. I so the thing about the movie, what a lot of people love, and I did not love, is it has I think like one sentence of dialogue in the whole movie, mm. which I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why it was so popular when I watched it. And I remember like an hour in thinking, has have I heard a single bit of dialogue in this movie? Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I, I'll probably uh get shit on for some people for this, but I, I didn't care for a quiet place for that very reason. Um and a quiet place has more dialogue. I actually really than like that. that, but Yeah, I don't care for that. Yeah. So, you know, a basic, a basic kind of overview of the plot is essentially you have this girl uh, in this, in the town, like everybody in this town kind of hates her for something, but you don't really find out why they hate her uh, until later on. But essentially, no one wants anything to do with her. No one likes her. And an alien invasion actually occurs. And uh, that's pretty much all I'll give to you. Uh, If that sounds interesting. Then check it out. It's not a bad movie. I'm not gonna say it was. It was terrible. It just wasn't for me. Why? Why all the uh, invasions? Invasion movies where you got to be quiet. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. That's, uh, That's a good question. Are you sure you didn't watch A Quiet Place? I didn't know. <laughs> this definitely was a complete different kind of alien invasion. Completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the greats, huh? It's the the reptilians. They were the standard uh, big headed. They were the, the greys. Yeah, the greys. Yeah. yeah, they were them. And they kind of hit in full force. And uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much away for anybody that wants to watch it. But it's worth a watch if you are OK with movies that are visually interesting. But there's no there's no dialogue really from from anybody. But anyway, do you want to know what's going on with the show or talk about uh, movies or request movies for us to cover? Then, you know, you can always find out what's happening by checking out one or all of our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast, Instagram at GrindhouseSyndicate.Horror.Pod, and the TikTok is the Grindhouse Horror Podcast at Grind, M-J-A-J-4-W. That stuff is always in the show notes. So uh, if you want to check it out and you don't want to play back the episode to find out, just check the show-, show notes. They're always there. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood is a 1988 American supernatural slasher film directed by John Carl Buechler and starring Lar Park Lincoln. Kevin Blair, Susan Blue, Terry Kissler, and Kane Hodder. Who is This is his first appearance as Jason Voorhees. It is a sequel to Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, and the 7th installment in the Friday the 13th franchise. Set years after the events of Part 6, the plot follows a psychokinetic teenage girl who unwittingly releases Jason from his grave at the bottom of Crystal Lake, thus allowing him to go on yet another killing spree in the area. It was written by Manuel Fidello and Daryl Henley. Cinematography was by Paul Elliott and it was distributed by Paramount Pictures. It has an 88-minute runtime, a budget of $2.8 million. In a box office of 19.2 million, it was released on May 13th, 1988. So right after I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I laughs> yeah, thought about that one. Yeah, I right that. after I was born, I was barely alive. Uh, Paramount intended for this installment to have a higher standard of quality than all the previous Friday films. Paramount actually sought out a partnership with New Line or a crossover film between Jason and the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Freddy Krueger. After many failed concepts of the idea, writer Daryl Henley suggested a crossover between Jason and Stephen King's Carrie. The entire production and the film's release was completed in just seven months. Shooting took place from October to November of 1987, and it was filmed in Baldwin County, Alabama, at Byron's Lake. Cue the Leonard Skinner. It was ranked number one at the box office on opening weekend, but was released to mostly negative reviews. But it did make a respectable $19 million. So, you know, fuck the critics, right? Uh, The ratings for this movie, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, gave it a 35%. IMDb, a 5.2 out of 10, and Letterboxd, 2.5 out of 5 stars. If you want to watch this movie, it is streaming on HBO Max currently, or you can rent it uh, on Prime and Redbox and Apple TV, YouTube, and it's pretty much a standard of, I think it's like $3.99 to rent it. Uh, I I think HBO Max actually has all the Friday the 13th right now. Yeah, which um, is surprising because Paramount made them, and you would think Paramount would have them for Paramount Plus. But do, do they not have, on there? Do they have just the Friday the Thirteenth? So do they have when New Line picked up? And they obviously they didn't carry over the name. They started with Jason Goes to and Jason X and Freddy versus Jason. Um, part Part Nine uh, Manhattan. That was the last one Paramount made. I think they. I think they might have all the Paramount ones. But I did hear someone say that they had them all, but I don't know if they're count. I don't know if they're counting the new line ones. I haven't checked. I'm just going by word of mouth. Just, those, just rumor. Those critics, man, that was that was tough. 35%. That's why You can't you can't trust, especially. I, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is. They're pretty harsh. They are harsh. Yeah. Um, they like artsy type movies. I feel like like Sundance artsy movies. This was well. one. This is not that uh, at all. Uh, but damn, that was that was harsh. Uh, so we get the standard uh, cut scene flashback previous, previously on Friday the 13th kind of thing that we're used to getting. Uh, we see Tommy Jarvis lure Jason into the lake, place a chain around his neck that is attached to a big ass rock. Jason sinks to the bottom where he is now trapped at the bottom of the lake. Uh, now, here we are three months later and we meet a young girl named Tina Shepard. And her and her family are vacationing at their lake house at Crystal Lake. She sees her like alcoholic father abusing her mother and she runs out of the house. We see her get to a small boat and attempt to run away. Tina's father runs after her, apologizing, asking her to please come back. Tina's anger starts to rise at the sight of her dad yelling for her. She develops telekinetic powers and wishes him dead. Uh, The water kind of starts to bubble and boil. It starts shaking the dock, and her dad's kind of standing at the end of the dock. And um, then we see the dock collapse, and her father was still on it. He essentially falls to his death. Yeah, he can't swim, apparently. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he got like a there was like a roof on this dog. Maybe it like knocked him unconscious. Yeah, Well, they show him underwater and he, like it almost looks like he's fine. He's going to. But there is like some boulders that start moving around. So maybe he got knocked in the head. I don't know. All I know is when I picture an alcoholic and abusive dad, I don't normally picture him wearing a yellow sweater. That's the, that's the money having alcohol ab- abusive, abusive dance. night. Yeah, he's got a very nice kind of cream yellow sweater. It just didn't that's really a, fit to me. That's his wife beater. <laughs> that's that's <just laughs> the rich man's wife beater. Yeah, that's <laughs> rich man's wife beater. Uh-huh. yeah, Yeah, get over here so I can punch you with my Rolex on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we time jump to seven years later, and Tina is now a teenager. Um, In a car ride, her mom kind of fills us in on what's been going on over the last few years. And she says that Tina has been struggling with the guilt of killing her father and has been in a mental institution, receiving therapy and care for her issues. The doctor that has been treating her wants to try taking Tina back to the house where this all began. And I will say that Tina's mom looks like she stood behind a jet engine with that hair. <laughs> that is some terrible, it's like, it's like slicked back, but it's dry. It's like blown back with like a hair dryer. The old lady oh, 80s. Yeah, that's terrible looking. The hair. Old, old lady 80s look. It's, I'll say, uh, Dr. Cruz is from, from the get go with this guy. Like, he's totally, he's, I'm going to sell you some snake oil. Like he just gives off that vibe. Yeah, he. They picked a great actor to play him because his face. I just hate him. He's got a his totally look, punchable face. Yes, for absolutely. Sure. And he'll try to he'll try to sell you on it too. Uh, so her psychiatrist, Doctor Cruz, who they call Bad News Cruz, is already waiting on them at the lake house. And uns, un un to Tina's mom, Cruz plans on trying experiments with Tina's abilities. By using verbal assaults to bring them forth. He very much plans to try to extort her. And her abilities for money and fame. He said he's got a golden egg on his hands. And he's about to... Well, I guess you wouldn't milk an egg. But if you could, he was going to milk He it. He probably... If if he thought there was money in it, he would totally milk an egg. Yeah. This guy's a bastard. Uh, Yeah, he's like... You know, there's like a, they're up in the up in the office. He's doing them tests on her. And he's almost just like, "God damn it, Tina! Like make this move with your mind so you can make me rich. I mean, so you could can so you could get better." Yeah, it's it, it's part of a treatment plan. You wouldn't understand. He's, he even says that a couple of times. I know like, it's d- your treatment. And It's like, no, this well, is you trying to get evidence that I can move shit with my mind so you could somehow make money off of it. Well, when her mom finds everything out, he he literally tells her, oh, "This is this is." part of the treatment plan you wouldn't understand like yeah. you're too dumb yeah you, you're too dumb to understand you're on a doctor you're almost <laughs> waiting for him to say you know shut up bitch i'm a doctor you know <laughs> but, that's pretty much what he says yeah so next we meet the teenagers that are all staying at the house next door uh they are all there preparing for a surprise birthday party for their friend michael the group consists of um and we were kind of talking about this earlier with the names. So the reason when you brought it up to me earlier, I kind of laughed is because I didn't pay attention to any of their names at all. So when I started writing this episode, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know anybody's name. Yeah, yeah I, I was in the same boat. I spent a considerable amount of time trying to figure out names here because the problem is even when you look up the cast, they, they look they're different. all old. Yep. So they, you can't hardly same tell. Same. And thing. then I actually noticed one person in the main group that wasn't even in the cast. On, at least when you Google it, the IMDB. Yeah, there was somebody I was trying to figure out their name and they weren't in the main cast either. But then they had like Corey Feldman in because he's in a cutscene in the beginning. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? But yeah, anyway, very, very confusing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll give you the list of names here. Now, I'm not going to remember them the rest of this. Ep- when I wrote the rest of the episode, I... I got some of their names. Some of them, I end up giving them nicknames because I got tired of looking it up. I I, I probably have them all here, so we'll we'll see. Um, it'll be a miracle if I don't fuck this up. All right, so here we go. The group consists of Michael's cousin Nick, Russell and his girlfriend Sandra, Ben and his girlfriend Kate, science fiction writer Eddie, stoner David, Robin. Maddie the girl nerd and super bitch Melissa super bitch yeah Yeah. but uh emphasis on super bitch it is Ben Ben is the one that was not in the initial cast yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I did try. I did notice that. That's the same problem I and, had. And, you know, for him being one of two African-Americans, I was I was racist. They yeah, I don't know why they there. left him out. And, you know, I, I was like, well, maybe I just missed him with the pictures because, you know, a lot of them are older. And I'm like, there's no way I missed him. And he, <laughs> he's like, a he's a character. He's he not just a like a like background yeah. character or something. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's. He's in the movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you now because I can't remember that his name is Ben. I nicknamed him Drake's brother. Drake's brother. He looks okay. like he could be related to Drake. He doesn't look like a Ben. No, he looks like Drake's brother. But to me. So that's his name. Jake. Drake's brother. Drake and Jake. Jake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> or Josh for for all you Nickelodeon fans out there. Drake uh, and Josh so Tina briefly meets Nick when she arrives at the lake house and they are immediately attracted to each other. Uh, Oh, and Melissa is super into Nick and automatically hates Tina. So later on, Tina sees a picture of her father on the wall and she instantly gets like really upset. She runs out of the house crying. Uh, She walks onto the dock while staring at the water, replaying the memory of what happened in her mind. Uh, This causes her powers to awaken Jason. We see Jason looking absolutely fucking fantastic, chained to a rock, trying to break free. Confused as fuck as to what's going on. He's like, is there like a wake going on or something? Like what? You know, Yeah. he just starts shaking and shit. and The chain breaks like, you know, he's he's like, what is what is happening here? Yeah, this, but this is our like first glimpse at Jason in this movie, and he just looked. In my opinion, this is the best Jason has ever looked before or after. This is it. This is this is the gold standard of Jason designs, in my opinion. And this is our first look at him, and man, he looks fucking great. Yeah, you know my opinion on that. I think Part Seven is is by far the the best Jason. And I thought you liked Part Five, Jason. Yeah, Yeah, part (laughs) five—the old paramedic Jason. Paramedic Jason. Uh, yeah, he's when when he comes out the water and we get the shot of his spine, like showing through his shirt. It's and not only is this the best Jason's ever looked, but this is our introduction to Kane Hodder Jason, which is a huge milestone in the franchise. Yeah, he Um, brings a whole personality to Jason. yeah. Yeah, he was able to take. Uh, things that other people who played Jason had and had already brought to the character and take those things and then add so much character um, to a character that would be really hard to do that you know you're you're acting primarily through movements and he was able to take that I know he spoke about it uh, quite a few times but he was you know he thought about it and was like well you know movements are going to be how I do this, like how is this character going to act? You even look down to where his mask is, bro- mask is broke off and how he moves his jaw back and forth. Like just all, all those small details is huge. Yeah. I was reading about, uh, they originally was going to bring the guy who played Jason, uh, in part six back because he did a pretty good job. He did. He did. But what ended up happening is the director here, he had worked uh, on a movie before this And Kane Hodder was in that movie and I if I'm getting if I might get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is pretty sure it's right. But the movie was like a uh, it was in a prison and uh, Kane Hodder played, I think, a guard that had died and came back as a like zombie guard and Kane Hodder. Uh when you were talking about him coming back as a zombie, he had mentioned that it would look even more realistic if he had maggots coming out of his mouth. And so the Kane Hodder put real maggots in his mouth and had them like falling out while they were filming the scene. And the, the director thought that this guy is so dedicated to this just this role, which I don't think he was a main character. He was he was like, I gotta get him into playing Jason because what he could bring to the table for this character, Jason uh, would be phenomenal. And that was a, an amazing decision. It was I think part six Jason was was fantastic, but yeah that that is a uh, franchise changing decision. Uh, the maggot thing is totally it's just like a cane hotter thing to do. <clears throat> but yeah, I think he was, he was made for this role and I know he took it very serious. I know he, he studied the other Jasons before him. So it's not to say, you know, part six, Jason didn't bring something to the character. He did. I thought he played a great Jason, but there's, there's no better Jason than Kane Hodder. No. So Tina thinks that she, uh, kind of senses her father below the water and she attempts to bring him to the surface. She snaps the chain, and Jason comes rising out of the water, looking ready to fuck shit up just immediately. He's it's almost like he's mad he's been a- awakened. I don't know if he's mad that he's been awakened or he's just like he just listened to Disturbed and he's hyped. Like he's ready, he's ready to roll, he's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, he just he just turned some some. Slip knot off or something. He just listened to Limp Biscuits break stuff. Maybe, maybe the water it bubbles because it's boiling, and yeah. maybe it got really hot. He's like, "God damn it, this bitch again!" So after some time has passed, we see Doctor Cruz and Tina's mom. They're like waking her up from laying unconscious on the dock. She instantly asked where the man from the lake went, into which Doctor Cruz and her mom kind of blow this off as like a delusion. Uh, we then jump over to Nick's cousin, Michael, and his girlfriend working on their car on the side of the road. They discuss walking to the lake house, but instead they decide to uh, just camp uh, some spot in the woods and they'll uh, walk the rest of the way in the morning. Nick comes over and he invites Tina to this surprise party for Michael. She agrees and they kind of head over there. Nick introduces her to everybody and I just want to take the time to say that these outfits are are, are just like horrendous. Like everybody's clothes are terrible. Yeah, it was it's the eighties. Oh man, this, yeah. So this is what people were wearing when I was born. Yeah, you were you were dressed in the eighties at one. I was point. probably wearing this shit. You was probably wearing <laughs> some terrible fucking baby onesie. Some some death leopard onesie or some shit there's this trend that i noticed in this movie where all of the um uh, all the women wear these really like way too big for them shirts you know it's like they a lot of them have those you know just like a button up collar shirt but they'll wear that but it's like th- Two sizes way too big. Well, the shoulder pad things were, were big back then, too. So even even the small ones, you know, like where the shoulders start overlapping. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it as far as what they were wearing. But I know, I think at least one person in this movie's wearing it. I think it's the one who tries to get all dolled up. Yeah, And she yeah. puts that dress on. It's got the shoulder pads. Whoever The nerd thought, girl. Yeah, whoever thought that shoulder pads... Inside of women's clothing was a good idea. Yeah, why Why would what, women want to have broad shoulders? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. Like This was a time where, where men were wearing crop tops and women were trying to make their shoulders look jacked. What a weird time. I know. I'm so it's glad I wasn't alive at this time. Unlike some people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so while while she's there, Tina has a vision of Michael being murdered. Tina freaks out. She runs out of the house and she heads on back home. Uh, We then see Michael and his girlfriend kind of walking through the woods, like looking for a camp spot. They uh, they walk past a uh, Crystal Lake sign and Michael goes to take a piss. And then we see Jason come up behind Jane, his girlfriend, and he jabs a big-ass stake into the back of her head. Uh, Michael then walks back over to see Jane kind of pinned to a tree. She's definitely dead. He tries to run away, but Jason, uh, he throws the stake and hitting he hits him in the back. Michael falls and he tries to crawl away, but Jason walks up behind him and finishes him off. Bro, Jason starts out so strong in this. Like he literally, the first kill of the movie, he he's like a silent assassin. Like he walks up behind her and like grabs her mouth, cups her mouth, and just stabs her in the back of the head. And then at some point off camera, literally pins her to a fucking tree with this steak. Ah oh, man, Jason kills her great. This, <laughs> this was this was Kane Hodder's first kill as Jason too, and it literally comes up silent assassin knocks her out uh, one thought i did have though aside from the kills is where the fuck was this guy going to take a piss yeah, they're he in the walk, middle of the woods he and he's way like, too far away he, like does a like a three or four minute walk away like he must really like not want her to hear him pissing like he must have a really weird thing about that or something i mean they're dating why didn't he just step I, you know four or five feet away and 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 pee. Yeah, that's what you would do normally. Like, I would be like, hey, Brooke, I'm, I am gotta pee. Like, I'm gonna take two steps over and I'm gonna pee on this tree and then we're <laughs> gonna keep going. He's like looking for a porta potty in the woods or something. Yeah, he, you know, he decides to walk to Nebraska to piss and then when he comes back, Jane is, uh, dead as fuck. He didn't, she, he not only stabbed her in the back of the head, he's had enough time to pin her body. Like eight foot up on a tree. Like her head's probably eight foot off the ground. Well, I noticed in this movie that Jason is everywhere in this movie. You know, like there'll be a scene where he kills somebody in the house. And then we jump to a scene of like somebody running through the woods. And then he's there. It's almost like there's four Jason's running. He's got that moped. Remember Robot (laughs) Chicken? He's got the moped. Yeah, it's got the silencer on the moped. Yeah, nobody hears him. Uh, so when Tina returns home, she finds a, a big ass metal stake stuck into the door frame. She panics. She runs in to tell her mother and bad news. Cruz. Cruz goes outside to investigate, only to claim that he found nothing there. Next, we see a man and a woman camping out in the woods. They are uh, seated by a fire, just talking. When the woman announces. That she's too cold. The boyfriend says that uh, maybe they should do sex. Always a good option. Yep. He said we should just do some sex about it. If you're cold, that will warm you up. That is a scientific fact. It will increase your heart rate, increase blood flow, make you warmer. Uh, but she wants him to go get firewood. So he uh, heads off to get some firework, firewood. <laughs> firewood... <laughs> I went to go get some fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to really get her in the mood. Yeah, fireworks <laughs> will get her to do the sex. And she gets in the tent and begins to undress. I guess she changed her mind. Um, Why does he... This is like Michael. Why does he go so far away to get some fucking wood? Yeah, yeah. I put that in there, too. He not only goes far away, but he starts chopping wood. And anybody who's ever been camping in the middle of the woods knows you don't have to chop up wood. Like, he's getting his first thing of wood. There's sticks and dead dead stuff everywhere. And he's going to go, like, 40 foot away from the tent and start chopping wood. Yeah. How the sense does that make? Yeah, I mean, he damn near needs a map to get back. I you mean, it's literally like a... 30, 40 seconds uh, of him on film just walking to like just to look for wood. He hasn't even found the wood yet. He's just walk like looking. And I'm like, good God, man. Maybe, maybe he had to pee. You, <laughs> you know, in the 80s you had to be at least 50 foot away from your girlfriend to pee. Wouldn't wouldn't it be great if he like runs into Michael? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey bro, have you seen a porta potty out here? Have you have you seen some wood? <laughs> um so while he is out gathering stuff for the fire, we see Jason creep up behind him. And then suddenly he punches through this man's whole goddamn torso, like just straight through him, like through the back out of the fucking stomach. Jason's arm is on the other side and then he just rips his, he just yanks his arm back out. And there's just a fucking hole in this <laughs> guy. Yeah. This is like uh, a slug. Point blank to the chest. But this is Jason's hand instead. This is... I, you know, Jason was fucking pissed, man. Jason's he on was, some fucking he roids, was sleeping. man. He did not want to be awoken. He's all like, I'm losing my fucking skin. I've been in this water for years. Like, I've fucking had it with these goddamn teenagers. I'm done. I'm finished. He, I'm telling you, man, he's, he's shooting roids. He's like, I don't even need... To see the premarital sex first, I could hear you talking about it, and I'm not going to fucking have it. That's all it takes is just to mention sex. She's, he's, she's, he's coming after she's you. She's getting naked for sex. We've got to put a stop to this. Yep. Uh, the man, he ends up falling, and he dies. And uh, we see <laughs> Jay <laughs> dies. Well, you know, he, he uh, wimped off with that hole in his chest. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he's he's he, <laughs> yeah, he's dead.
0: He's dead as fuck. Yeah, he's dead. Um, And then we see Jason pick up his machete and walk off. We then see Jason kind of creeping up on this tent. The girlfriend is inside. She's naked. She's ready to do the dirty. Jason cuts the side of the tent open and pulls the girl out by her sleeping bag. And at this point, we are about to hit a legendary moment in the whole entire franchise. Yes. Uh, So the girl, she struggles to get away, but she can't escape the sleeping bag. Jason then picks up the sleeping bag, kind of up by the end, and he swings it full force into a tree. We hear a loud thump from the hit. The girl falls dead. And that is what is known as the motherfucking sleeping bag kill. That is the sleeping bag kill. And it is fantastic. I mean, when he pulls her out, he's like dragging her like a sack of fucking potatoes. And then he hits that tree. It only takes one hit. Jason only needs one hit. He he may have killed that tree. The tree is also yeah. dead. He may have killed that tree. Uh, so the next day, we see Nick and Tina. They're kind of hanging out. They're talking by the lake. Tina tells Nick about her father's death, the mental institution, and Dr. Cruz. And, uh, you know, he takes all this very well. This is no big deal to him yeah really well like if there's if there's not a red flag there's about 14 of them yeah you know when i seen this i'm like you know what the fuck man like this girl just told you that she thinks she killed her dad and that she's been in a mental hospital and you are still trying to get in her pants yeah i have nothing against mental illness or people who have issues at all but if you meet somebody and they tell you that they killed their parent and they've been in a mental facility, don't like, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, that's so obvious. Like, get the fuck out. Yeah. She even says to him at the end of this conversation, she says, says something like, "Uh, well, you know, you may not be real. You may be a delusion. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you need to step the fuck away from this. Like, she doesn't she's telling you she doesn't even know the difference between reality and these delusions she's having. I'd be like, you know what? I totally forgot that I was supposed to go pick my cousin Michael up. That's why he's not here. Uh, I'll see you when I get back. And then that's it. Boom. You're gone. Yeah. He must've been really, really horny. He is horny. to get in her pants. Well, he could and have. He's up got up all Melissa. those other chicks. Yeah. There. I mean, well, you got Melissa. Then you got the two other kind of nerdy girls. They were like dying to, fuck somebody they go after david like he probably could have hooked up with any of those girls but he just there must have been something about her and she's got that like uh psychokinesis that psychokinesis charm uh, you know about uh, that yeah. that's fame you know about that psychokinesis charm yeah, it's you know so many girls have that yeah it's uh just it's a dangerous thing yeah, so a little later on, we see Tina head over next door to see Nick and attend a cookout. And while there, Melissa makes fun of Tina for being in a mental hospital. She then breaks Melissa's necklace with her mind powers and runs out the door, appearing very upset. Yeah, this is another thing. Like, if if you hear somebody talking about killing their parents and being in a mental institution, you probably shouldn't make fun of them about it to their face. Well, well you know, Melissa's she. Her first priority is being a bitch. Yeah. That's, that's it. And not possibly getting killed by this crazy lady. It's I mean, sad. we see that do you know, especially in the end of this movie, that she just uh, her her first priority is is just being a bitch. Have you noticed in almost all these eighty movies, eighties movies that we've covered, the ones we have, there's always that bitch. You have, yeah, I mean, you know, these are even, these are slasher movies. You have to have these certain characters. That's just standard. Even even the 90s, too, it bleeds into, like, the faculty. We did that. Like, yeah. there's always. Del- Delilah? Yeah, there. there's, yeah, that horrible, horrible bit. We, we have, like, down the road, after, like, a year, we need to do a whole podcast episode on who's the bigger bitch. No, that's good. We can it, do a whole episode on That's a great whole, idea. Whole uh, so back at the house, Tina and her mother are arguing with Dr. Cruz. Tina and her mother, they want to leave the lake house, but Dr. Cruz says, fuck no. And that Tina will end up in a mental hospital for the rest of her life. Tina then uses her mind powers to throw a whole ass television at Dr. Cruz. Hell yeah. You know them TVs back then was heavy too. Oh yeah, that was like a, a 250 pound TV. It's like. 24 inch tv but it probably weighed a good 250 at least the, the speakers in that thing probably weigh more than your flat screen at home yeah yeah T- too bad she didn't hit him with it though yeah he ducked doesn't he, he really yeah he, duck he, he ducks way. it too bad yeah I, I would have loved to have seen him not duck it but uh yeah you would think this would be a good time for him to be like all right i'm not gonna push so hard so, on her way out of the house, she runs into Nick. She asks Nick about his cousin Michael, and he tells her that he never showed up. She asks him for a picture of Michael and reveals uh, that she had seen this vision that he's dead. Uh, he doesn't really believe her, but then they get interrupted by Tina's mom, who informs her to pack her bags that they are going to be leaving in the morning. So, Nick carries a picture. Of his male cousin in his wallet. That's That's a good point. That's weird. Was this an 80s thing? Do you have all your cousins in there? I don't know. Um, (laughs) was, Was he banging his cousin's girlfriend? yeah i just still i mean even if you were why would you carry around a picture In okay so say maybe he's in love say say that is true when someone says well do you have a picture of him you don't want to be weird you just say well fuck no i don't have a picture of him that'd be weird but he's like you know what I, I i do have a picture of him actually i like to look at it um very often when when i miss him maybe he was gonna give it to him for his birthday a picture maybe it was a special <laughs> picture. I can remember this. Well, it's not. Even, that don't even make sense because it's not even them two. No, <laughs> this makes no sense. This like, doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> snuck this picture of you and your your girlfriend. Uh, I I didn't have any money, so I'm. This is what I got you for your birthday.
1: Yeah, this Merry, is just Merry just Christmas.
0: This whole thing's weird. <laughs> but next we see uh Sandra and Larry, which I'm gonna be honest. I can't picture what either one of these two people look like in my mind. I, I can't she, either, but I I remember, I remember, them remember her killed. nipples. I remember her <laughs> getting killed. I, I remember this. I remember this happening in the movie, but they just have you, these faces that are just not memorable. You don't remember that yellow top? Yeah, no, I remember that. I just I, I don't remember, remember her face. <laughs> I don't remember her face or his face because of that yellow top. Well, he's about to lose his face. So. Yeah, his face is. is somewhere on the ground. She comes out with that typical uh, '80s slasher, hypersexual, super two studs is too small, yellow shirt buttoned up with no bra on. Very obviously, no it's a bra slasher on. slasher special. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Friday the Thirteenth without it. Nope. Uh, next, we see. Oh yeah, I said that. Sandra and Larry they walk to the uh, the lake to go skinny dipping. Sandra jumps in the water first while Larry is removing his clothes. We then see Jason walk up to Larry and pretty much remove his face with an axe. Hold on now. <laughs> this guy's name is Russell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> now I'm worried, like, who got it wrong? Because I mean, I just... <laughs> I was, I was like, oh fuck, I don't remember a Larry. <laughs> no, there's a Larry in the cast. Is that the actor's name, Larry? The fuck if I know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, for considering I just watched it, let's go, Russell. Hold with on, them. didn't I say there's a Larry in the beginning? Oh fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I just, make I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a Larry in my notes. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. Know. <laughs> i well, I got words. the cast up right here. Uh, let's see, Russell. Russell. Do I have the cast? Yeah, I do. God, if you're listening to this show for like <laughs> we're actual gonna, accuracy, we're gonna this. you're fucking up. Larry, Larry Cox plays Russell. Damn. <laughs> well, you weren't wrong. His name is Larry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, I'm so I can't believe we had a, a major name mess up, and it wasn't me. <laughs> I probably I spent it, an extra 40 minutes trying to get all these names right. Well, that's when I when you told me that I laughed because I didn't spend that much time. I was like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, there's too many names in this movie. There's to only get a right. couple key people but, that I thought it was important and the rest of them are just, you know, cannon fodder. For the record, there is no Larry in the entire movie. Yeah, I stand corrected. Larry's <laughs> not a character. But the, he still gets his face removed with an axe. So you know, Sandra, she comes up out of the water, she sees Larry. <laughs> <laughs> What's his fucking name? It's Russell. <laughs> Just call Larry. <laughs> so she sees Russell slash Larry. <laughs> laying on the ground with his face removed. (laughs) Jason hit him so hard his name (laughs) changed. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to make you a Larry now. (laughs) She's like, I can't tell who he is. His face is gone. (laughs) He's like, Larry, is that you? (laughs) Larry's face, you in there, brother? (laughs) (laughs) That's a callback to our first episode. (laughs) oh man i tell you like you know like hansen like when he had listened to it he that's the first thing he said was you there brother i was like oh you must have listened to the episode (laughs) i i I listened to it brother (laughs) (laughs) um oh god poor poor larry yeah so (laughs) so then what the fuck am i at (laughs) She sees this. She begins to freak out. Jason then uh, somehow appears in the water with her just out of nowhere. Told the silent assassin. Yeah. Uh, He grabs her leg from under the water and he pulls her down and uh, she drowns. I guess they don't show it. You get a, a beautiful underwater shot of him going after her. It's a total like Jaws feel from Jason's perspective of her naked kicking her legs trying to get away Uh really good cinematography not just because she's naked but that was a really cool shot and then uh the after shot of him dragging her body through the mud yeah that was cool um yeah him dragging her body through the it was total like friday the 13th feel yep yeah. uh so after this we see dr cruz looking at some I'm just thinking of how many more names I've been like, like. I just thought about that. I'm like, this is named Dr. Cruz. I this is, this is Dr. Larry, actually. Yeah, uh, so we see Dr. Cruz looking at some old newspaper articles about the, the murders, like the Camp Crystal Lake. We see that he has this metal spike that Tina's seen stuck in the doorway earlier. He then goes for a walk through the woods to investigate Tina's claims about seeing Jason. While he is doing this, we see that Tina's mom is going through his, uh, all his shit in the office. Dr. Cruz then discovers Michael's dead body propped up in a tree. So, yeah, like when you find a dead body, you should totally pick up the murder weapon with your bare hands. I think he realizes this and throws <laughs> it back down. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. Like, like, why is he even like, hold, cause he's like holding it up and he's like slowly moving it to Michael's body. And I'm like, is he checking to see if like the wound matches like the shape of the spike? Like it has blood on it, dude. Like it's, it's like, I'm a doctor. I got to check. This is obviously maybe, the murder weapon. Maybe he was a <laughs> medical examiner at some point. I don't understand what, what this I don't at all. get is that he takes the stake. I don't understand why he takes the stake. Um, I guess you could make the reasoning that he didn't want them to freak out and leave because he was trying to get this evidence. Oh, yeah. He, but why really. he... I mean, he he could have totally been, like, you know, made up any reason for the stake being there. He said it was already there. Whatever the reasoning is. But where he finds the stake, but then he finds the same stake that was the murder weapon. Like well, it's that, the same... Same type of steak. It's not the same one. Do do they say it's not? Well, it's obviously not the same one because there's two different ones. But um, I I don't really like I think that's why I picked it up because he's confused because he thinks this is the only one that he had the steak. Um, Where are these steaks coming from? It's almost like Jason killed somebody that had a tent. Earlier in the story, <laughs> is that how they did? Is that well, no, because he know. kills he kills Michael before he kills the the tent. The oh tent. yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, they're the second to die, and uh, like, I don't I, know. I don't even think they had names, and that's what I love about like it's a staple of a good Friday the thirteenth. and They have add names. some people in there. They just don't just to be killed. Like they're literally put in there just for the sake of having some extra people to die, but. Anyway, that's the stakes that they use. Like that looks like a fucking stake you would use to kill a vampire, except it's metal, but it's massive. Um, yeah, I don't know if you were camping in the '80s and you were listening to this, please comment and let us know if uh tent stakes were like a foot and way too yeah, big. Yeah, a foot long, massive. Yeah. really didn't want their tents going anywhere, and you know the wind was the really wind. bad in the '80s. Yep. Uh, So Tina's mom finds the spike that Tina seen earlier hidden in Cruz's desk. She also listens to a tape of Cruz discussing Tina's powers and bad news. Cruz walks in on her and they get into an argument about his true motivations with Tina. Tina hears this discussion from the hallway and she hears that Cruz plans on committing her to the mental hospital. She says, Fuck this. I'm out. My Uber just pulled up. She dips out. She ends up stealing her mom's car. And while driving down this dirt road, she sees a delusion of Jason killing her mother in the middle of the road. This causes her to swerve and wreck the car into the trees. Next, we jump over to uh, Maddie, who is the, if I'm pretty sure, she is the nerd girl. Yes, that is correct. Uh, so we <laughs> She's see, trying to get all hot. Yeah, she's she's I guess she got she don't look that different to me but no, I think can. she's vast improvement. I don't think she, hot, like she took her glasses off and put makeup on. That's just I don't know. That that's an improvement for her. Yeah. Uh so we see her walking around outside looking for uh the stoner guy, I believe. Yeah, yeah why? What did did you ever catch a reason cuz I didn't and I was very confused. Why she finishes putting on her makeup and then walks directly outside and starts yelling for David, like why would he have been out? like, I even rewound it to see if she heard a noise or something outside. Like there's nothing. She literally just gets done and walks outside. And then like, like she thinks David's like spying on her or something. Um, so what, what occurred here is this is, um because of editing and what happened was they when they submitted the movie for its rating they kept having to cut stuff and one of the things they had to cut is actually what originally happened with her so she she gets all good looking or whatever and she goes and she's kind of looking for uh David because she wants to try to fuck him and she ends up discovering uh David and Robin in that shed um, smoking a joint and like kind of hanging out, pops. and yeah, marijuana. Oh God, and uh, they're lucky Jason didn't show. It. Jason was too busy murdering the campers trying to fuck. Uh, probably he's got his hands full. There's this marijuana of, going on over here, and he doesn't know about it yet. He puts premarital sex above marijuana. That's yep, that's the, pri- sure, that's the sure. priority. I the bet premarital you sex. So anyway, they're kind of hanging out in here and she kind of busts in on them and catches them and she's kind of like pissed off. She's like, "What?" you know, looks at Robin like what are you doing in here with him or something? And basically she's like "Uh, yeah, you can fuck off. Uh, I know what you're doing. Like I'm already talking to this guy or whatever and um, they decide to leave and just be like, you know, you're fucking the vibe up in here so we're going to leave and David like hands her like the joint and they, they leave they just like leave her there in the shed. She kind of like hits the joint. And she coughs. She's obviously doesn't smoke weed very often. And then I think that's when we get the cut of, she kind of leaves out of there and she's trying to get David's attention again. Cause she wants to try mm. to talk to him again, but we didn't see any of that. That that yeah. whole scene is chopped out. It's actually a deleted scene that you can watch on the DVD. That sheds a lot of light on that because I was really confused uh, with the. And I know uh, from, from watching past stuff on this episode, I know this is one of the, and it happened to quite a few Friday the 13th, but this is one of the, the more major ones that the ratings boards absolutely destroyed. Like they made them cut a ton of stuff out of this movie. Uh, But that makes a a lot more sense, makes that scene make a lot more sense because I had to rewind. I thought I missed something. Yeah, it's weird. But, you know, after a couple of times of submitting it, they ended up having to film a lot of extra stuff. And I think, you know, they only had the actors for so much time. So they filmed a different death scene and they kind of just threw it into what they had to cut out. And I think that's why it's a little weird. It's, but it it's a friday the 13th movie and then, you know not everything has to add up it, it's unfortunate that uh we don't have a uncut version of this movie oh yeah well, because from what i've heard is that the original cut before the fucking rating boards fucked everything up was, it was pretty uh how the kills were a lot better. Yeah, um, we'll we'll address a lot of that stuff here after we get done with the plot because I I did come across a lot of interesting stuff about that. Um, so she ends up heading into the woods where uh, <laughs> where Larry's dead body <laughs> falls from a tree. <laughs> What? I don't remember his. I don't remember what you said his name was. It's Russell, Russell. Russell's body, <laughs> and uh, it looks like Jason didn't know she was there, and her scream gave it away. Oh my God! So I just I had this in my notes is that I love when she screams and we see Jason peek from <laughs> 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 Yeah, Jason does the total like even with the mask on and everything. It's the total. What the fuck was that? Was, like, I don't know if he was pissing. Back <laughs> I think he was just creeping around and he just like, I don't know if Jason sets these fucking traps. So he knows where people are. Like he rigged up this body to fall, but clearly he didn't drop the body. Cause he's like, I don't know. 40 feet off in the <laughs> woods and hears her scream and looks over and gives the to Total, like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. He's like, I'm out here fucking murdering people and somebody's screaming like that? I like, f- I feel like he was like... She's stupid? Bro, I just hung that dude up. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he uses Russell's body later on in the movie too like some somebody comes up on it. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah uh, he he must have been proud of that one. He's like, damn, this one looks good. Like this is gonna be the one I use to get the screams. I I got a I got a little theory about this, but I won't bring it up till later on. But is it why his name's actually Larry? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh she takes off running with Jason chasing after her. She ends up trying to hide in a shed where she thinks Jason can't find her. And uh, just when she thinks she is safe, Jason bursts through a wall. He grabs her from behind and he kills her with uh, what I'm pretty sure is a, it's called a sickle. sickle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I actually watched that one stick because you don't you they don't really show it very well. If you're watching at full speed, you don't really get to see it. But yeah, we're watching it step by step. I don't know where the fuck he got a sickle from. It looks like they're in some type of like utility shed that was used for the camp. Uh, Some type of utility, like tools and shit in there. Uh, But yeah, I guess the one thing I love about this movie is Jason literally just he picks different murder weapons every time. He's like, I've been dead for a long time. I want to have some fun. I've been here, done this. Like, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm just going to I'm just going to get creative with it. Yeah, he, he literally kills almost everybody with a different weapon. Yeah, I think there's like maybe two kills with an axe. And yeah, I think two. everything else. That's Larry. Larry's one of them. Larry. Melissa. Yeah. And uh, I think everything else is different murder weapons, which is great. Uh, So we then see uh, Tina running through the woods where she runs into Nick and she tells him that she is on her way to find her mother. Meanwhile, Tina's mom and Dr. Cruz find the wrecked car that Tina took, and they run off into the woods looking for her. Next, we have Kate and her boyfriend, who I will refer to as Drake's brother. hooking up. They're hooking up in the van, and as they're getting it on, they hear someone banging on the side of the vehicle. Uh, they assume that Michael has finally arrived and is playing a prank on them, which... It was kind of stupid to me. But. I would have finished my sex. Yeah. There's I would no have no doubt been like, that I would have stopped mid mid-banging to be like, oh it must be Michael. Let me go tell him happy birthday. Like, and they're no. they're excited that he's like, oh my God, Michael just interrupted us. This yeah. is awesome. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go see him. Yeah. Yeah. This um, yeah, is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And Jason right at this moment in the movie, you have like three Cases of premarital sex happening at once. You have uh, Melissa and Eddie. Then you have David and Robin. And then you have Ben and Kate. Uh, all three simultaneously. Jason must have not, not even been able to think straight. Like, he's like a dog with the high frequency whistles. Yeah. Like, that's when premarital sex happens. Like, three at once. He must have been losing his fucking mind. He's like, I'm only one man. I can't be everywhere. I can't kill everybody for this. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he gets the van first. They're outside. That makes sense. But yeah, there was there was no um, if you wanted to avoid Jason, this group fucked it up entirely. See, that could have been their crossover that they originally wanted to do and they couldn't come up with an idea Jason needs help killing these teenagers because they're fucking and smoking weed and he goes and gets Freddy and he's like, hey man, I got more work than I can handle. I need some help. Yeah. Could have been it. They could have teamed up to get, well, you know, Freddy versus Jason, Freddy actually does try to team up with Jason just to get his name back out there and then Jason being the fucking G-ass motherfucking killing machine uh starts taking off Freddy's kills and he gets all whiny about it and shit. Yeah he, he, he is a little whiny. He gets sure. very whiny about it. He's all he's super pissed. But you know Jason Jason's just superior. I hate to say it. So Drick's brother he gets out to investigate where we see Jason kill him by crushing his head with his bare hands. Uh Kate She looks out of the van window and Jason stabs her in the eye with uh, like a party whistle and it kills her instantly. After that, we cut back to Tina and Nick running through the woods where they discover Michael's body. Nick gets upset by this and I think it's safe to say that he now believes Tina. He's pretty much been doubting her this whole time. If I'm Nick in this situation, I would have thought that she had something to do with him dying i would have thought like she knew who killed him like she was there for it i would have believed that over this girl having uh psychic abilities well he's blinded by love though yeah like you meet some random girl and she's like oh i think your cousin's dead and you show her a picture and she's like yeah he's dead and then you find out she was telling the truth I would be like, okay, what the fuck do you know? Like, what's going on here? Now, Robin and the stoner guy, they finish hooking up, and he decides to go down to the kitchen for something to eat. And once uh, he gets down to the kitchen, he walks right past Jason, who is hiding in this dark corner. I was going to ask you if you caught that. Yeah. This is actually the first time I've ever actually caught this. And uh, it was actually on Rewind. And I love the way this is shot because the way it's shot at the angle, you're looking at the window for Jason. Like you don't know Jason's in the house yet. So you're looking at the window thinking you're going to get like a silhouette of Jason or something. But as the lightning flashes right over to the left, Jason is fucking standing there. And I really thought that I may have been the only one that caught that. Yeah, I guess a lot of people don't catch it because when I was reading through, like, some interesting facts and stuff about the movie, they actually bring that up. Yeah, I've seen this movie countless times. This is the first time I've ever actually noticed that, and it's really creepy the, the way they have him standing there. Yeah, uh, he's just, like, hiding in the corner waiting for somebody to come to the kitchen. Yeah, he, he's he's crept back there in the corner. If you've watched this movie and never noticed that part, I'd highly suggest uh, popping it in and checking it out. It's it's, uh, it's really creepy. Like I actually paused it and, and got a cool shot of it. Took a picture of it. Really cool. So he goes uh, over to the refrigerator, and Jason walks up behind him very quietly. Uh, stoner guy, he kind of hears a noise, and he turns around where Jason then stabs him in the stomach with a big-ass butcher knife. It's weird actually seeing Jason killed with a with a butcher knife though. I will say this. David, fun fact, is the only one out of all the sex happenings that happened, is the only one who actually got to finish. <laughs> so out of the Goodness like trophy. Yes. Rest in peace, David. Um yeah. at least you got yours in. But yeah, out of the, I think there's like four different couples having sex at some point in this movie. We're about to have sex, and Jason manages to get to every one of them except David. David eluded Jason with enough time to get his nut in. Yeah, so I, so. I think he actually hooked up with the best-looking girl, too. I thought Robin was the most attractive out of them all. Yeah, she was cute, so good good for him. Good for him. Uh, Tina and Nick, they finally make it back to the lake house. They head up to Dr. Cruz's office where Tina finds the metal stake from earlier. She also finds newspaper articles about Jason and the murders and a gun. Why in the fuck would a doctor bring a gun on a trip with a mentally ill patient that he thinks killed her father? Maybe he was scared that he was going to be pushing her so hard that she might kill him. So I guess I'll shoot her. I don't know. I would be like, I probably shouldn't bring this gun to this where I'm, you know, fucking with this girl like constantly, verbally abusing her, and she is already capable of murder. So she probably leave the gun at home. He he also already knows about the history of Jason and the murders at Camp Crystal Lake, so. Me, no matter what reason, if I'm going to a a Camp Crystal Lake and I know about the vast history of murders that have happened there, I would take a gun. Yeah, but but keep the gun on you. Like he goes out into the woods looking around, leaves a fucking gun upstairs. What's he, the point yeah, of the gun? He's, he's a doctor. He he only he knows the reason. He he has a PhD. PhD in, in bullshit. <laughs> So she reads the news articles and figures out that uh, she wasn't delusional and that the man that she seen earlier was actually Jason Voorhees. This causes her powers to start shaking the room like an earthquake. And I was thinking, so if her powers are controlled by her emotions, like I wonder what happens when she like orgasms or when like someone cuts her off in traffic or, like, what That's if two or, way different things? <laughs> what if a dude like breaks up with her? Does he just like explode like a hot dog in a microwave? Like, yeah, Nick is actually dead uh, in real life because they broke up a couple years later and uh, he just blew up. Yeah, like, there's all these like emotional things that could happen to her, like, happen to normal everyday people is like. Everything around her going to destroy every time something happens to her. Well, we do know when she gets mad, like we do have a good idea of what happens. Um, but the orgasm question, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder what happens. I it's assume like the, the room shakes like this, that. Does the like, sky break open? The sun come out? She totally, she couldn't, <laughs> like if she was with somebody, she couldn't fake, like, fake it. He's like, I know you're faking. The room isn't shaking, the, the walls <laughs> are intact. She's yeah. like, no, 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 I, I, I totally came. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, a tough fake. And you know, as a guy, you can't even call her out about faking it. So then you just like feel down about yourself. You're like, mm, damn. Yeah. You just she, go she, in the bathroom. I like, and... Don't even fake it. You you can't even. You can't even fake it. <laughs> so next we see. Um, I hope his name's Eddie. <laughs> his name is eddie the next we see eddie. eddie hanging out in the living room by himself while melissa sneaks out of the front door behind him yeah he's not just hanging out he's opening michael's birthday gift. what is that thing he had you know the thing he was like it was like making a noise and he's like waving it over the the gifts? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. It's like some t- some sort of like uh metal detector. Is what it seemed like. Yeah, know? and he like stops on a gift, and it's like a personal penis enlarger. Yeah, it's, it's a magnifying glass. Is what it ends up being. Oh, I never it's, even it, looked. It. It's a gag gift, like wow. a penis enlarger magnifying glass. But yeah, I'm not sure. Like it, it seemed like a metal detector, but the dude totally gets like shut down by Melissa, who is a total bitch. Like. She should have totally just shut him down and been like, hey, it's not working. Not, hey, I only brought you in here because I was trying to make Nick jealous. Like, I don't really like you. You're a fucking loser. Well, she's, yeah. You know, but he is a fucking weirdo, man. He is. He is. There's a scene where she's talking to Nick, like, later on, and Nick's like, yeah, like, I don't even like you. And she's like, that has nothing to do with it. But he's in the background, wrapped up in the streamers, like a mm-hmm. zombie, like a, not a zombie, like a fucking mummy. mummy yeah, And like- I'm like, what is he doing? He's he's like he has like the mental capacity of a like a 7-year-old. Like yes. Yeah. He's he's literally back there acting like a 7-year-old. Yeah, at the whole that yeah. whole scene, I was just like, "What the fuck is he doing back there?" And she like, "That funny you brought that comment up." I was thinking about that, and I'm like, "Well, you know, it kind of does. Like, it kind of has to somewhat like you. Do, yeah, uh, that made does I sense. guess she meant, like, well, you don't have to like who I am to want to fuck me. Like, it can be just a sex thing. And she is desperate. Like, for him to be like, I don't even fucking like you, and her still be like, oh, well, we're going to have sex. Um, yeah, it, it it also seems, too, from his conversation earlier with Tina, that he doesn't really know any of these people. Like yeah, these are all Michael's friends. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they're not my friends. Like I just came here for Michael. So this is really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. She's got a thing for, for Nick really bad. And then she takes Eddie upstairs. who is a complete child. And, uh, Man, I will say, like, she was a a bitch about it. She shouldn't have been like that up front with him about it and basically told him, oh, I'm a bitch. I don't really care. Like, I just brought you up here. But the scene of him trying to get it on with her was really hard to watch. I'm glad it was a short scene. Yeah. Because he was doing a really, really bad job. So he starts going through the birthday presents when we see Jason walk in behind him. He slowly creeps up on him. And Then he essentially just chops him in the neck with the machete killing him instantly uh, We jump back to Robin who begins to look around the house for the stoner guy uh, She begins kind of checking different bedrooms and discovering that nobody else is there She walks into stoner guys room where she accidentally discovers stoner guys decapitated head that was uh interesting because like she like puts her hand down and uh, sticks it into blood, and then she kind of bumps uh, a head, and it's his head just sitting there. Well, what about the cat that she finds in the fucking closet Oh, right so did Jason that? put the cat in the closet? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about Jason putting well, the cat in the why, why would Jason put the cat in the that's closet? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I just thought it was, like, really random, like, it seems like this guy's uncle doesn't live here. It's like a vacation home. How did this fucking cat get trapped in the closet? Like, how long has this cat been in the closet? Did Jason... Maybe R. Kelly can answer Was Jason (laughs) (laughs) trapped in the closet? (laughs) Yeah, did Jason maybe maybe put the cat in there as a distraction? Like, they'll hear the cat. And they'll think it's me. And then I can pop out somewhere else. But that's better than my theory, because uh-huh. my theory was I don't want this cat to get hurt while I'm killing this <laughs> bitch. I don't know how crazy he's about to get in here. <laughs> yeah, maybe he really likes cats. You know, well, I guess he's been dead for a while, so he's not familiar with this cat. Well, he's not been dead, he's been under the under the lake. Deadish. Though. Yeah, I'm not sure, man. I, I, I did put that in my notes. Where in the fuck did this cat come from? Yeah, I actually put, did Jason put the cat in the closet in my notes? I forgot to put it on you. Well, they do I overlooked it. They do kind of insinuate that the cat is scared. Like she's she tries to pet the cat and she's like oh no what are you scared of like where are you going and the cat's like bounces the fuck out of there after she sits down. So maybe the cat put himself in the closet. (laughs) Maybe Jason did put the cat in the closet, and that's why they put that in there. I'm just picturing zombie Jason like running around trying to catch this cat. (laughs) (laughs) You're kitty kitty kitty. Um. So, I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> so Jason then walks into the room. He grabs her by the throat and he choke slams her out of the window. Robin then falls to her death. Oh, wait. no right here's the note. So did Jason put the cat in the closet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the great mystery of this movie: the cat in the closet. You Noah, know I've watched the documentary. And the whole hour on this episode, and they never mention the gap. So, I don't know if we'll ever know. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The Cat in the Closet. (laughs) (laughs) Is is this... Is this the the one where she's... it's, It's the man's legs as the stunt lady's falling when he throws her out the window. I remember there's one where the make a thrown out the window no. and it's like a man's leg. I paused it and I was like, hmm, I unfortunately can't really tell. It still kind of looks like a woman's legs. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I did read about this scene because this is another scene that they actually had to go back and film again. Originally, this is not how she was killed. She was killed a different way. But they did bring the actress back and film a different, a different version of this. And I don't I don't remember coming across uh, it being good, like a different stunt person or anything, but I could be wrong. But I don't think it is like he throws her like back first out the window and then she's falling forward out the window. Well, there's very a strange there's a, shot. Uh, there's another kill that's very similar to this where he throws a woman out of the second floor window. But instead of hitting the ground, she actually lands on a car. Uh, they actually, uh, during my research, they actually compared these two. Is that the man? Is that the I man? I think Lex? that's the yeah. one. Because this was not originally supposed to be this kill. They kind of had to rush and film this. And people give this them a lot of shit for basically redoing another kill from another, exactly, from another movie. And they were like, well, you know, we were trying to get the fucking thing improved. And, you know, we can only get the actor for so much time. And we just needed to throw something together. Yeah, it's hard for them to give or anybody to give them shit in this particular movie about originality because there's a ton of kills in this movie and there's a ton of original kills. Um, This is where one of the most iconic kills of the entire franchise was born in this movie. And he literally killed. He kills people at one point in this movie with something. I don't even know what the fuck it is. Well, actually, it's it's funny (laughs) because I'm not even sure what what it is. (laughs) Uh, We then see Dr. Cruz and Tina's mom running through the woods where they eventually run into Jason. He's fucking everywhere, man. (laughs) He is. They, uh, They run away from him, but Cruz trips and falls. He then grabs Tina's mom and uses her as a shield, pushing her towards Jason. Jason then stabs her with a long blade on the end of a stick thing. I don't really know <laughs> what that is. Yeah, this is. yeah, this is what I was talking about. I don't <laughs> know what the hell really this like, is. I don't know what like, they call that. You know, it's it's almost similar to a pole saw, but it's like a knife on the end. It's like a pole machete. It's like an extended machete. I guess. You need to chop something, you know four or five foot above your reach so i i actually put in this one a list of all the weapons that were used and the uh what i'm pretty sure it is is it's actually officially listed as a machete with a long handle because there's a machete and then there's another listing of machete with long handle i this has got to be what that is yeah yeah this, don't, this is the only one time. i don't know what it is so I mean. it's got to be like i said it was kind of like a pole saw but it was like a machete on the yeah. end of it um huh? I don't think that's a real thing. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't think this is a real, real tool. I don't know. <laughs> so Tina Tina's mom then falls to the ground uh, dead. Nick runs over to the other house, only to discover, discover that everyone over there is dead as fuck. He then panics. He runs back over to Tina's house where she is waiting on him. We also see here that Nick has Dr. Cruz's gun. Uh, when he arrives... He discovers Tina is gone and that Melissa is just hanging out in Tina's living room. He tells her that uh, everyone at the other house is dead and not to go back over there. And she doesn't really seem too concerned with anything that he has to say. I think her response is, okay. She's like, are we having sex or not? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, are we going to do the sex? Because uh, there's no one here at Tina's house, obviously. I think this is a good time. Uh, Next, we cut to Tina walking through the woods looking for her mom. She ends up finding Dr. Cruz. They end up arguing over Tina's mom, and uh, she sees this blood on Cruz's clothes. She kind of puts two and two together, and Cruz finally admits to her that her mom is dead. Tina runs off, leaving Cruz alone in the woods. And I just want to point out, like, how the hell did Tina walk right past him with him only standing behind some dead, some dead branches, <laughs> especially considering these are like the brightest, most well lit woods like ever. Yeah, like, they like are he, pretty lit up. She's walking, and he literally like calls out to her, and in the the camera pans over to him, and he's like five feet from her, and you can see him. You can com- see every bit of him. Like it's not hidden at all. No, and he he's acting like he's hidden though. Like he's. Like, Tina, over here. (laughs) It's like, I didn't even think about that. I can see you. (laughs) He's a doctor, man. Maybe he knows something we don't know. Well, she walks past him. Like, she literally walks past him, and then he's like, Tina. (laughs) What the fuck? How did she not see him? (laughs) And these woods are so fucking bright. Yeah. They are so bright this is like 12 full moons running this friday the 13th i um, i would bet that these are the brightest woods in all of the franchise that's 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 my opinion uh yeah, i don't know they get i don't know i i think they're pretty consistent with some of the early ones i mean um, you can see the leaves on the ground like not just where they're at, but like over the whole entire shot of the woods, like you can see everything. Well, you got to imagine it was probably pretty difficult back, especially back then. They don't have like the stuff that they have now where they can shoot it brighter and kind of go in post-production and make it darker. Um, They probably struggled a lot with having the viewer be able to actually see what's going on. This is bright. There's definitely no Blair Witch. I can tell you that. So, Cruz then starts to hear like uh, the, uh, the cranking of a small engine. He looks around to discover Jason walking towards them, holding a weed eater with a fucking saw blade attachment. Yes. I'm pretty sure he made some weapons. And I seen that, and I was like, yes. Yes. Mm. That, is the, uh, that yes. is the ultimate <laughs> kill weapon. I got so excited. To see Jason kill him with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jason specifically busted this out for him uh, because of that cowardly move he pulled on Tina's mom. I think it even pissed Jason off. Yeah. Jason's Jason Jason like, said, I'm, said I'm going to get the best, the best thing I got. Because when he catches him, he like slings him to the fucking ground. But not hard enough to kill him. Just hard enough where he couldn't get away. So he could crank that thing back up. Yeah, so he once again tries to run away, but then he kind of stops to catch his breath. That's when Jason kind of he comes from like a complete different direction and he ends up choke slamming him to the ground. And uh, Jason kind of walks over towards him. And as he's walking towards him, Jason's revving the engine like vroom vroom. And I'm like, yeah, he's fucking with him before he kills him. Uh, and then he ends up sticking this uh, saw blade right into Cruz's stomach. And I will say that we totally got gypped on that. Yep, that's what I had in my notes. This was this was the the worst for the ratings uh cuts that we got. Like this had the potential to be such an awesome, gory, like just amazing kill. I thought we were gonna get to see him like cut in half. And they had to cut it so much. There's, I mean, there's, I don't. You can't even hardly see any blood. You know, it's literally like you see the saw blade like barely cut the sweater, and it kind of just cuts back from that. Like that was, that was it. But if they do Friday the Thirteenth, if we do eventually get an, uh more movies in the future, this would be a kill that I would like to see be done. Um, I think this is a real tool, actually. It and is. So we, we need eater attachment. Yes, for like for thick, it. really thick brush. Whereas the machete thing, I'm pretty sure Jason made that just because he thought it would be cool to kill somebody with. But this is a real thing, and I would like to see them bring this kill back and us actually get to see because it has such good potential. Uh, then we jump back to Tina running through the woods. There is a stupid amount of scenes of Tina running through the woods. In this movie, like, I mean, even there's even like all kinds of people going through the woods. People cannot stay at the houses in this movie, but anyway, uh, she ends up coming across her mother's dead body and then she kind of runs off again. And this is where we see her kind of stumble into what I call Jason's garden of death. And this is kind of what we were like talking about earlier with Larry's body. Uh, he's kind of got all of the People he's kind of killed so far. He has gathered them into one area in the woods He's even kind of rigged up a couple like trip wires where some of them fall Some of them are like stuck to trees like nailed to trees like he I feel like this is like his shrine to what he has done <laughs> This is what he does when he's in between kills apparently and I don't know how because it's like gets back and forth like you would think he's constantly on the move but now he has started playing with these bodies. He's kind of he's kind of making some art. Maybe he's feeling a little artistic. Now I wish I had Jason's energy. He gets more <laughs> done in one night than I get in two. Well, he's days. been sleeping for like years at this point. He's, he's well rested. Um she finally makes it out of the woods where she then sees Jason standing on the road looking straight at her. She begins to use her mind powers against him. And she starts controlling the vines and uses them to grab his legs and it pulls him face down into a puddle of water. She then snaps the power lines and uses them to electrocute him in the water. Jason kind of lies still, leaving her to believe that he is dead. He then kind of jumps back up and he goes after her. A frightened Tina then runs back into the house next door. Jason then kind of jumps through the window. Awesome jump through the window. You see where he's like standing there with those balloons? That's funny. Yeah. That's a really funny scene. I, I, he's I, got like surrounded by party balloons. How confused do you think Jason was when this shit stuck? Because they, they step in, like, there's a whole like showdown scene where they're looking at each other. And they yeah. find this is the first time they've come face to face. Jason had to have been confused as fuck. I was, like, you know, he's never seen anything like like psychokinesis or what we call telekinesis. Like he's never seen no shit like that when the fucking roots came out the ground, which was awesome. By the way, I will say like her, the roots rising out the ground and like wrapping around his legs was really cool. Was Just, great, evil dead. I was to say it gives me evil yeah. dead vibes for sure. Good like like that. That, what? What is the good thing they didn't rape him? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that would have been some strong <laughs> evil dead vibes. And I I don't think Jason would have appreciated that. She's like, I'm going to use this to rape you with. Yeah, yeah. You killed my mom, and now I'm going to rape you with these vines. Yeah, that would have been a a little too close to Evil Dead. I (laughs) definitely definitely don't think Jason would have appreciated that. I think he would have gave up. He would have been so fucking confused. He'd have been even more confused. I don't even know if you could. Rape Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he, if you look at his back, he's nothing but bones. Um, Like, he's like bones and some flesh. His butthole has deteriorated. (laughs) I'm pretty sure his his ass is gone. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just like, if you look back there, it's just like the back of some hip bones and a piece of a pelvis. And uh, I guess she could have, she could have ran to branch. Up his leg, I guess, if she wanted to. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Jason was probably extremely fucking confused in the scene. Like, I feel like they almost play it off where he kind of does this, like, the way he looks when he's standing there, when the branches start coming out the ground. Like, he has no fucking clue what's going on. Uh, so he ends up, uh, he begins to kind of walk towards her, and Tina uses her mind to start kind of throwing furniture at him. Believe she hits him with the whole ass couch. (laughs) That's that's what knocks him over. It's only really kind of slowing him down though, and she kind of panics and she runs out of the front door. Jason follows her out, and when uh, this is when Tina kind of stops and she turns around and she uses her mind powers to collapse the whole porch roof on top of him. Bro, that roof fucking flattens him. Like I watched this even in slow motion and. Kane Hodder had to have felt that. Like he had to have felt that one. Because I'm sure he did the stunts. He was a stunt yeah, guy, which did. is why they hired stuntmen to, to play Jason so they didn't have to pay two different people. Man, that was that was a really good scene. Yeah, this like, is this is a big this is a big front porch with a very big heavy roof on it too. Like when you say front porch roof, you think, oh whatever. Yeah, but like the whole is, house falls. This is like a piece of the house roof that falls on him. Yeah, like, the I'm pretty sure the entire house roof collapses, and he's just at the front of it on the porch end. But it fucking flattens him. Th- this whole final showdown is actually great. And uh, when you mention them upping the production value of the movies, like, this is where I would think that that came into play. I love this whole whole thing. So she walks into the front door of her house to find Nick and Melissa waiting. She tells them uh, that her mother is dead, but she has finally killed Jason. And while Nick kind of consoles Tina, Melissa is being a total bitch. No surprise. She doesn't believe them about everyone being dead and uh, that Jason's real. She gets kind of angry and tells them to fuck off that she is heading back to the other house to go to bed. Despite Nick's warnings, uh, she goes to the front door She opens the door, and this is where she comes face-to-face with Jason Voorhees. And the look on her face is great, because she just is like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, very great and very brief, because she she catches an axe to it very quickly. Yeah, so Jason then kind of puts an axe right through her head, and then he tosses her body across the room. Nick and Tina then run upstairs with Jason slowly following. Uh, Tina then uses her powers to kind of knock Jason down the stairs where he falls through the stairs and into a a closet that's kind of uh, at the bottom of the underneath the steps. Nick and Tina, they climb back down and they try to get out the front door when Jason bursts through the wall and grabs Nick and I was thinking, like, during this whole altercation with Jason coming in there, like, Nick, like, you have a fucking gun. Like, you know, why are you not using the gun? I don't know, man. If I I seen Jason in this condition, like, with his bones and shit sticking out of him, I would have tried probably still to shoot him once. But I wouldn't have very much hope. And honestly, uh, seeing this, I may have completely forgot about the gun. I think that's... He I did forget that he has He's the like, gun. not only am I watching this fucking bitch with telekinesis powers, but then I've got this dead guy who's been deteriorating for years wearing a fucking hockey mask. It's massive, and he's fucking slaughtered like everybody I came here with, which is a lot of people. Yeah, so Nick, he gets thrown across the room, and he gets knocked unconscious. Tina then uses her mind to uh, break Jason's mask and then hang him from a ceiling using an electrical wire. She ends up collapsing the floor underneath him and then dropping him down into the basement below. I love the the mask uh, straps tightening on the head. And they start showing that nasty like ooze and mm-hmm. blood that's running out because it's like tightening too so much, it's breaking his skull. Thought that was awesome. And uh, we we have to touch on the look of Jason. This is by far, out of all the Jasons, the best-looking, maskless Jason out of all the movies, in my opinion, um, at least. I think this is the best-looking one, and I really wish that the movies uh, after this would have stuck with that look consistently because we get Manhattan next, which is just, just a shit show. Compared to this, when his when his mask comes off, I think this is the only unmasking of Jason Voorhees where his face is scary. Yeah, other times he just kind of looks deformed. He looks like a kind of like a hills have eyes kind of um, inbred type thing, and That's, all the other ones. This is the only only one that when you see it, I'm like, yeah, you you got deformity it, you know, stuff going on, but you're scary. Yeah, like, you would think Jason would look after all these years. Like, his his bones are showing through his back. Like, you would think his face would be pretty fucking scary looking. And Manhattan, he's actually really cool looking in Manhattan, too. Um, very similar to this movie where his bones are showing through. And when his mask comes off, it's like a completely different story. It's back to that, like, deformed look. And then... Of course, they had the acid bath, which is just an absolute rough scene. That's, uh, I'll just leave it there. But yes, this is the coolest hook of Jason without his mask uh, out, of, out of, I think, all of the movies. This is the only Jason where I'm like, oh, fuck, put your mask back on. Like, that's scary. Yeah, so this is actually the longest of all the franchises where Jason goes maskless. And the producer of the film actually did not uh, like this idea. She did not want Jason to, if the, if they showed him with his mask off, she wanted it to be very brief. And the director actually said, you know what? I'm going to film this shit the way I want to anyway. And, uh, you know, she gets mad. She gets mad. But it ended up being kind of a hit. I got to say, I agree with the producer. I think in a Jason movie that you shouldn't for, for, The fact of somebody wearing a mask, it's almost scarier wondering what's underneath and that if the face was going to be shown, it should have been really quick. But with that said, I have no complaints because they did such a good job on the face that they did it justice, whereas some of the other movies did not do it justice. Yeah, I think if it's scary like this, then, yeah, we can do we could do it. But uh, any other uh, version, it would not be great. So she uh, attempts to wake Nick up when suddenly Jason jumps up and he grabs her and he pulls her into the basement. She uh, uses her mind to shoot nails into his face and then sprays gasoline all over him. Uh, Jason is pretty fucking pissed at this point. Like He seems very aggravated and he's ready to just kill her and get this over with she opens the furnace door and she shoots flames into the rest of the basement and pretty much all this old shit, like old newspapers and old pieces of wood and stuff that's down there, all that stuff catches fire. And this eventually leads to Jason suddenly going up in flames. Uh, Nick awakens from all this and he kind of rescues Tina while Jason is burning. They both run out of the house and over to the dock, where they see the whole house is now on fire. Then suddenly the whole house just like massively explodes. Uh, Nick and Tina kind of stare back at the house or kind of what's left of it as it burns. They have survived. Jason's dead. Everything is great. And that's the end of the movie. So I think that, um, yeah, I wish that was done. um, <laughs> So I, I think from what I remember, and I don't wanna blow any of your post movie stuff, but I from what I remember from when I watched this a long time ago, this explosion of this house was way fucking bigger than they expected. Yeah, it's I, huge. Yeah, I think that when they did it and they actually seen the explosion, they were like, Oh my god, like uh I'm like cameras almost got hit by debris and stuff. Like they did not think that this explosion was going to be nearly as big as it was. It was a very big surprise. But yeah, that's the end. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah, I you know, I like to cut the movie off here at this point. It's been a pretty decent movie up until this point. But unfortunately, it's not the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, man. Oh, here we go. So, you know, disclaimer. I'm not a fan of any of, of, anything else that happens after this point. So, I don't think anybody is. So as Nick and Tina are staring at the house, a uh, crispy Jason grabs Tina. Nick finally pulls out the fucking gun. <laughs> and uh, he shoots Jason like five times. It doesn't do shit. And Jason kind of knocks Nick into a small boat at the end of the dock. Jason then starts walking towards Tina and she begins to use her mind powers. The water starts bubbling, and all this stuff. And uh, oh god, here we go. <laughs> Can you even say it? I don't want to say it. Uh, her, hmm. her dead father. It's been dead for like fucking twelve years. 10 I think it's been seven years. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. Oh, uh, jumps out perfectly fine. He jump He's got. He's a little dirty. I guess. <laughs> He's a little dirty after being dead for seven years. Yeah, so her dead father bursts through the dock and grabs Jason, placing the chain that attached to the rock back around his neck and pulling him down into the lake. Tina slowly passes out from the sight of her father and she lays unconscious on the dock. So the next morning we see that the fire department and police have arrived They wake uh, Tina up. They put her in an ambulance with Nick. Uh, They drive off. They both have survived their encounter with Jason. They are now going to get married and live happily ever after uh, in the mental institution because now they're both crazy and have tons of issues from all this. It will affect their marriage later on down the road where (laughs) one day they they will have a big fight over custody of the kids. And Tina will accidentally kill Nick with her mind powers. Yes, yes, yeah. And that's that is I was the getting end. At. That's, that's that's the end of the movie. That's like really the end this time. Yeah. yeah. The the end actually being where you know she wakes up and she's like you know doesn't she ask like where's Jason or something like he, that? He he asks where's Jason, and Tina uh, yeah. very confidently says, "We took care of that." So I just like to pretend that she imagined that whole ending and that really uh she she used some mind powers or something and wrapped the chain around jason which would have made a lot more sense in the movie that she pulled the chain out of the water and wrapped it back around him and sunk him while he was out on the dock uh i I like to pretend that the whole dead dad jumping out of the lake and saving her didn't happen I gotta say this is equally or maybe even worse than part four's ending where a child Tommy Jarvis tricks Jason by shaving his head and then beats him to death with a machete. This is worse. Um, yeah, this is this, this is, is worse. This is bad. I I can get past the mind powers because this is a really good movie like the, a, a really good friday the 13th at least it has all the ingredients you need for a good friday the 13th so i can get past the telekinesis i can look past that because i like i like the rest it's kind of like dream warriors for me dream warriors is a really good nightmare on elm street the best. i can get past the kids having some some powers and their dreams like uh, that they don't have in other movies Because it's such a good movie. But this ending I completely fucking forgot about for good reason. You know, when you go through trauma, your brain blocks out traumatic things you go through. And obviously, the other five or six times I've seen this movie, my brain has blocked that out because it was so fucking bad. Uh, Terrible, terrible choice to end the movie this way. And I'd really like to ask the writer what kind of drugs he was doing so I could stay away from him. Uh, so the producer did not want to do this ending. Well, she should have uh, put her fucking foot down on this one. This was a big issue with with them. She didn't want to do it. The director, uh, he was a little more on board with it, but he didn't like the idea either. He actually had planned to make the dad like a zombie like Jason. They said, well, if he's been in the water that long, too, then he should look very similar to Jason. Uh, But, you know, they went back and forth on whether or not they were going to do it for so long. They kind of had to hurry up and film it. So they didn't really have the time to do the makeup. So the producer, she said, well, no, he can't come out of the water looking clean. So what they ended up doing was just adding some mud to his face and shooting it really quickly. The writer who actually fought to have this in there, he actually says now that he greatly regrets adding this into the story. Yeah, probably because he's gotten so much shit for it over the years. I would imagine from Friday the 13th fans, uh, it was just a terrible fucking idea. Yeah. Like, even even with him coming out, like, the director wanted him to come out as, like, a zombie. That's a little better, but that's still a horrible idea. That takes it from, like, a... 10 out of 10 bad idea to like a nine and a half out of 10 bad idea. Like the whole, her dad coming out of the water to save her was so fucking cringy and bad. Yeah. It, uh, it really undermines, like it really takes away from this story because you know, whether you like or don't like the her having powers thing it's still, you know, at the core of it, it was this battle between this girl who had these powers and then Jason. Like, they both had something special about them that kind of gave them that edge. And you're seeing them go up against each other for a big chunk of the end of this movie. And they're just battling back and forth. And then, you know, it's almost like like if this was a wrestling match, you know, somebody coming out of the fucking crowd with a chair... And hitting one of them and knocking them out and the other one wins by, you know, because it you know, it's not fair. Does if Vince McMahon wrote this. <laughs> yeah, That a, sounds w- like w- something WF that would production. happen in wrestling. <laughs> you know, so you, you see all these cool things that she can do and she's powerful and she's really given Jason a run for his money to where she's almost defeated him. And then instead of her defeating him she gets this out of nowhere advantage of now a zombie dad that has just a regular dad just shown up (laughs) and caused her to, to win. It just sucks all the life out of whatever story you were trying to tell. In my opinion, it's, it's bullshit. This movie should have ended when the house blew up. Yeah. We look at these stories as, as realistic outside of Jason, you know, we look at, You know, outside of Jason obviously being unkillable, everything else is real world rules. And then we add her in, and she has these mind powers, and we're like, "All right, we can we can stretch that a little bit if it's a good movie." But then you have her dad coming back to life. At this point, it's like, "Okay, anything could happen." Yeah, I mean, is 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 next? Jason's mom going to come back and kill her? Like, you know, where do you draw the line on on this? And like you were saying, the whole thing is these two uh, superhuman uh, forces going up against each other. And then they end up not even defeating one another. Like, you know, something completely outside of this that makes no sense at all to the story happens and ends up not even killing Jason, just sinking him back to the bottom. They could have easily done the same as if Jason was about to kill Nick and she pulled the chains with her mind back out of the water, the same chains that that, uh, Jason broke from and wrapped them up and put them around his neck and it broke through the dock and pulled him under. That wouldn't have been like the greatest, most amazing ending, but it would have been 10 times better than what we got. And then him being just dirty... Like, completely fine, but just dirty. Even was like the icing on the cake to a really shitty ending. Yeah, that's what's so aggravating about this is you see all this crazy shit. Like, she really has like this unlimited... We, we didn't really see any kind of limitation on her powers. She was just kind of balls of the wall, could do anything really. And they could have so easily used that, like they had the rest of the movie... And ended the fight. And I I just don't understand why you would go in such a different direction at the last minute. It's just so stupid. Good news is that this scene was actually a little longer and a little worse. I did see the actual version. And, you know, pretty much all the same stuff happens. But there's an addition to where after he sinks Jason and they both go down the water, he comes back up. And he's clean and he's got a sweater on and she's like, you know, daddy. And he just stares at her like he's admiring her. And then she blinks and he's gone. And I was like, oh, God, (laughs) I'm glad they they at least cut that out. Like, oh, this is, you know, where are we going here? But, you know, whatever. It's been made. It is what it is yeah this was one of the i wish i could say one of the worst decisions made in the franchise one of them for sure i think the whole premise of jason goes to hell was a probably worse idea that was worse at least Uh this only lasted you know a minute that lasted an hour and a half yeah yeah it was rough i mean as much as people hate Part 5 because it the ending because it's not really Jason that was at least a more realistic Ending for a movie than this was so Let's go on to some interesting stuff about I learned about the the kind of the making and stuff with the movie and I think we got some pretty good stuff here Kane Hodder actually did the longest uninterrupted on screen controlled burn in Hollywood history. Uh, this would be during, obviously, the scene with him and Tina in the basement. He was on fire for a full 40 seconds. That's interesting. So I had it in my notes, but we kind of went through it so fast. The awesome slow mo shot of maskless Jason being on fire. But anybody who knows any of the history of Kane Hodder knows how big of a deal holding that record was uh, for him with having uh, a uh, incident with being burned really badly before. So props to Kane Hodder for that. Yeah. He actually had uh, the prop team install pretty much this device that would set him on fire. Uh, And this was because normally they would add the flames that, Caught him on fire. They would add that in they would just go basically light him on fire and then add in post-production um The you know him catching on fire and they would just kind of edit that together to make it look natural But he didn't want to do that. He wanted it to be a legitimate Okay, I'm going to be in the scene. The whole scene is going to be uncut I'm going to get lit on fire by this device and then I'm going to do this 40 seconds of being on fire so big props to him for that because Anytime they do those uh, full full burns in movies, you know those people get a lot of respect because why would you ever want to be on fire? Well, there's, it's there's so a, dangerous. <laughs> there's even in a, such a controlled environment, there's such a huge risk to it. Yeah, you know, so many on fire. So many stuntmen get really badly hurt, and and there's been uh, quite a few of them who's died from from doing these stunts before. So. I mean, it's, it's fire, you know, you can only control fire so much and for him to have the past that he had and actually almost died from being burned so bad doing a prior stunt earlier in his career to turn around and do this and, and not just do it, but do it better than anybody had ever done to that point. A huge props to him. Yeah, so the film was submitted nine times to the MPAA before being granted its R rating. It is the most heavily censored film in the series, earning the nickname Part 7, The No Blood. Several scenes of gore were cut in order to avoid the X rating. And I will go through everything that was cut. So we had several scenes of Judy's murder who was originally bashed against a tree in the sleeping bag six times instead of once. You have uh, Maddie's death, where she originally had a sickle jammed through her neck. Number three is Ben's death, a.k.a. Drake's brother, who showed Jason crushing his head into a bloody pulp with his hands. All of these, or I won't say all, most of these shots are... You can watch them on the DVD. They're in the deleted scenes. And uh, there's a little thing with the director in the beginning of that when you go to watch it. And he does explain kind of, you know, what happened with all the cuts. And then he says, though, that Paramount actually destroyed the footage. So that's why we have never gotten a, like, director's cut version with all this stuff in it. But somebody did come across some of the footage that was on, like, a VHS tape. Now, why you can't take that stuff and add it into the movie, I don't know. I don't make films, but apparently you cannot. If you do go and watch these, which I recommend you do, just a fair warning, they're in really bad condition. The nighttime scenes, you can't really hardly see any of the characters on screen. So it's rough. But anyway, the reason I bring that up now after number three, because we've got a bunch more to go through, this is... If if they would have left all of this in here, this death here with Ben's head being crushed, this would have been the best death of the whole entire movie. It is amazing. They show him they literally uh, they must have built like this fake version of his head and had Kane Hodder literally squish it down into like the size of an orange or something. And the blood just squeezes it, and it looks like his real head, and he's just squishing it. It's beautiful. It's 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 a shame they got rid of it. But uh, number four was Kate's death, which showed a gory aftermath of having a uh, party horn shoved into her eye. And number five is a shot of Eddie's head hitting the floor, which I've seen is really nothing that great. Uh, Number six is a shot of Russell's face being split open with a large blood spurt. That one was pretty, pretty cool. It was a lot better looking. Um, Number seven is Dan's original death that showed Jason ripping out his guts. Uh, Number eight was Amanda, who is Tina's mom. Uh, Her original death scene actually showed the blade uh, coming out of her chest from behind. So it was way more graphic than what we what we got. Uh, number nine is, of course, Dr. Cruz's death, which showed Jason's tree trimming saw violently cutting into his stomach, revealing a fountain of blood and guts. That one is uh, on the DVD. Um, number 10. And the last one is Melissa's death that showed Jason hitting her in the head with the axe and a close up of her eyes still wiggling in the sockets. Man, this that's such a shame. Like that really is it's it, it hurts knowing how awesome some of that shit could have been. Or or they, they actually did the work to film it and it just it we it, the ratings boards fucking ruined it. I really and, and how many times do we hear this? Uh you know, all these cuts that have to be made in these horror movies back in the day, uh and then there being no uncut version of it because the film ends up being destroyed or lost. I really wish studios would quit doing that. I really wish they would... And I feel like nowadays they do. Like, you see more uncut versions of newer movies coming out. I think it's because it's digital now. So much stuff is digital. It's easier to store movie footage on a hard drive than it is to physically take a reel and store it in a warehouse. Like, think about all the footage just from the Friday the 13th franchise that we have lost. Probably a whole almost a whole movie of kills, awesome kills, that we will never get to see because of that. And it makes me really feel for the FX team that put in all that work into doing all that stuff and never got to see it. Because this movie is, is essentially, I and mean, it's almost like uh, the first Halloween, you know? it's They show these kills, but there's very little blood. A lot of the kills are cut off. Like I said, I had to pause it to see the sickle that he kills, uh, with, what's her name with? It? The nerd girl. Yeah. He comes through and, you, you know, you don't even hardly see that because they have to cut it so short because apparently a sickle went through her neck. And some of the stuff you just described, like uh, you know, the, the mom getting the extended machete or whatever you call it, and it, them showing it stick out the other side of her, that's not crazy for 1988. It's almost like they had a vendetta against this particular movie and maybe it's because the original version that was submitted was so bad um, or so gory I should say but yeah that's unfortunate yeah I don't know but at least there's uh, something left over where you know really big fans can go and at least see a lot of it in its original form I mean the film is it's terrible But it's worth a watch if you're into uh, Friday the 13th movies. So we have finally come back around full circle from the beginning. The title of The New Blood was added because originally the character Tina was going to be the main protagonist in the next three films. Hmm. So it kind of was that. To end it, end a of little to- bit, but it was a, little, a little extra. They wanted her to be like the new Tommy Jarvis. And I will say, I would have been quite unhappy if this would have been for three films with her doing this telekinesis mind power shit. Oh, that would have been so disappointing. Yeah, I agree. For as much as people hate on Manhattan, I'll take Manhattan over two of those movies. Jason goes to hell after Manhattan. That's that's pretty bad movie. Um, Probably the worst in the franchise for to me personally. But Manhattan alone is better than having to deal with. uh, Did you know it wouldn't have just been her powers? They would have tied her dad into it and it would have been a whole. They would have had to have added more to her because there's no way they can just make the same movie three times. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad they didn't do that. That ending probably went so bad that they scrapped that idea. Well, I guess a lot of people didn't really care much for the her having powers thing. You know, there's a lot of pushback from fans about that. So they ended up shelving the idea, thankfully. Yeah, I don't blame them. I, you know, I, don't, I that is, you know, something that I, every time I think of Part 7, I think of the telekinesis girl. I don't like that she has telekinesis. Um, I do love everything else about this movie other than Her power's in the end. I'll say that. Um, So this is the last real interesting thing I got in here. And I think this is super cool. The narrator in the beginning of this film, his name is Walt Gorney, a.k.a. Crazy Ralph from the first two movies. This was actually the last thing he did. Hmm. Yep. They brought him back to do that little... Uh, narration about jason and stuff and with all the scenes from the last few movies okay now i actually like that that was uh, i put that, that was my first note i took uh i do really like that they kind of filled in what happened in part six but not just filled it in that they showed a lot of the iconic kills throughout the franchise up until that point thought that was cool so kill count and ratings so the kill count in this movie is 16. It's way up there. Uh, so number one, John Shepard. Number two is Jane. Number three is Michael. Number four is Dan. Number five is Judy. Number six is Russell. Number seven is Sandra. Number eight is Maddie. Number nine is Ben. Number 10 is Kate. 11 is David. 12 is Eddie. 13 is Robin. 14 is Tina's mom. 15, Dr. Cruz and 16 was Melissa. Good shit. About half of them. I don't remember who their people, uh, their, their characters, like their, what they look like. <laughs> I don't know. I do. Cause I had to study, study the movie. Cause I thought I was going to come in and not have any idea what you were talking about. <laughs> so the weapons in this movie, the weapons that were used was a telekinesis, a tent spike, a sleeping bag, an axe, a, uh, is it a scythe? I don't know what that is. Uh, a party horn, a knife, a machete, a long handled machete, a power tree saw, and Jason's bare hands. And so, a dead dad. Yeah. <laughs> and I a think, chain. Are you sure it wasn't a sickle? No, it's, it's S-C-Y-T-H-E. And that is straight from the box set. That's weird because you didn't say sickle in there so I assumed maybe that's another word for a sickle yeah I don't yeah I'm pretty sure that was a sickle yeah I don't know um so now we're gonna do favor kill and rating all right well for best kill obviously the sleeping bag kill is the choice it's it's iconic it's a classic. Um, but because that's such an obvious pick, I went with a second one as well. And that is going to be Melissa. As oh, yeah. t- Not only does she get an awesome axe to the face, but what I love the most about this kill is that he literally throws her across the fucking room. I thought that was awesome. Uh, thank God that the ratings board didn't cut the throw out the room, too, for being too I'm surprised they didn't throw the take the axe out and just have him throw her across the room and she dies. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not surprising. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. Those are my two picks, with number one being the obvious, the iconic. Yeah, yeah, you you have to go with the sleeping bag. So you You have to. Go ahead and you can do your best kill. My favorite kill was obviously the sleeping bag. I mean, it's it's probably the most talked about or memorable kill besides the Jason X one. I mean, it's pretty close between them two when it How comes to the people, lic- liquid nitrogen. Yeah. The face smash. Yeah. Those two are the two that I, I mean, I almost always hear somebody mention one of those two when they're talking about it. So, um, and I will say that the sleeping bag kill, when you actually watch the, the, um, unedited version where he does it six times, it's even better. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, that's on the I hated, DVD, hated That's too. the only thing I didn't like about it was it was one hit. I'm glad to hear that there is at least footage out there of the full kill. Because when they redo that kill in Jason X, I think he like beats the fuck out of the tree yeah. a couple of times. That may have been why they threw that in there. Because the original one got cut, and it was so iconic. But I do want to add an honorable mention, or it would be my number two, is um, Drake's brother, and that is because I seen the unedited version and it is literally one of the coolest coolest things I've seen in this franchise it's amazing yeah I have to check that out like right when we right when yes. we get done I wish I had time to check that out before we did the episode but yeah that's uh definitely one another one I'm glad that they have footage on so I can go back and watch it so ratings Right. To the last bit, the ratings. All right, this is this was a hard movie for me to rate. This is a very fun movie, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. Out of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, I realized rating this movie that the higher the rating doesn't necessarily mean it's the ones you want to watch the most. Rating it overall, I would say I'm gonna give it a uh, a three point eight. With no context, this movie's between a 3 and a 3.5. With no context to the franchise. But Jason alone brings us up to a uh, 3.8, 3.9 for me. Uh, Outside of the the, uh, telekinesis main character, this is your typical awesome Friday the 13th. Lots of young adults, partying, sex, drugs, nudity, and Jason killing a shit ton of people in a shit ton of different ways. But what I, what I do want to shed light on, what, what takes it up to that almost 4.0 for me, is Kane Hodder. It's, it's what he brought to the character. He kind of changed the thought of Jason altogether. Um, what we think of, how Jason was played. He, what he was able to bring to, to the character just through his movements and his, his body acting uh, it was amazing. It's, it's a testament to his ability. So despite uh, one of the worst endings in the franchise, I still consider this one of my favorites. It's a, it's a really fun Friday the 13th movie. Mm. You went, what, 3.8? Yeah, I, I bounced between 3.8 and 4. I was kind of where I was. I originally was on 4. Then we did the ending, and I I, I in my notes, I wrote 4. And then we went over the terrible ending and I kind of went to a 3.8. Kind of bounced around. Overall, if I watched it again right now, I'd probably say a 4. But then when we talk about the ending, I'd probably go back down to a 3.8. So it's somewhere in there. Well, I gave the movie a 3.2. I kind of give a brief reasoning is I really don't like the mind power thing. It doesn't ruin the movie for me, but... I think one of the things that I hate the most about the mind power thing is every time she's doing her mind power, she does these facial expressions and then we get this stupid camera zoom onto her face. Like it the camera literally just like zooms in. It doesn't even cut to her face. It just does this like uh, it just drives me nuts. They do it all the time. And then she's doing her, like, moving her eyebrows. And I I just don't like any of that stuff. But it doesn't ruin the movie for me. And, you know, it is what it is. I absolutely despise the ending. The ending, I would have gave this movie, like, a 3.8. Except for I hate the ending so much. The movie's it's it's a great Friday the 13th. If I knew how to edit videos, I wish I could go in and really just, edit out all the mind control uh, the mind power stuff and the stupid ending. And if I just had a cut of him just killing all these kids at this party, I would, I'd would probably give it a four. That's how much I like all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That So this defer this, we've been off on ratings actually, mm-hmm. but it's interesting because, you know, I put in there that this movie is between a three and a 3.5 without any context. What, what brings it up? That extra six or seven points for me is the what Kane Hodder introduced to uh, the franchise with him playing Jason. Um, I know that doesn't go into the actual, like, just watching it. If you had no context of the franchise, it doesn't go into how good the movie is. But to me... You know, Jason is my favorite out of all the slashers. Um, I love the Friday the 13th movies. Kane Hodder was the best to play Jason. Jason looks the best um, in this movie out of all the other movies. And it is the introduction to the guy who was known for playing Jason Voorhees. He really made the character and he changed. When you think of Jason's movements and, and how he's portrayed, it was changed with Kane Hodder. Yeah, uh, I mean that's all that stuff is the reason that this I give this movie even in the threes. If I were to base this movie off of the kind of the main plot, the main character, you know, I I I would give it like a two. I pretty much started a two because of the storyline with her having the powers and stuff, and I go up from there and I kind of add like the stuff like Jason looks awesome, Kane Hodder was awesome, and that's what builds it up to a three point two. And there's room to where, like, if I watch this movie uh, a week from now, you know, it could easily be a 3.5. You know, it's not a solid 3.2, but this movie would be like a 4.2 or 4.3 if she didn't have the powers. If they just would have eliminated her having the powers and this was just you know, she was just your standard final girl, I would rank this movie at least a four. Yeah, I would say without that, this movie would be by far the best Friday the 13th with Jason killing people out of, you know, obviously not counting the original. That's a little bit different of a movie. Uh, so two through all of the rest, two through 12, this would be by far the best out of all of them if you took took away her powers. I hated the powers thing. I did think it was, so I didn't know that they were kind of decided to do like a crossover between Carrie. Um, so that makes it a little cooler for me, uh, that it was based off of that. But, uh, without the telekinesis, this is easily, I would give this, uh, probably a, a 4.5 without that, just because the, amount. another thing, it, it would be a 4.5 without that. And if they hadn't cut the movie up and they actually showed, yeah, the kills the way they thing. were supposed to. I feel comfortable at a 3.8 because of the, the things I already mentioned. If we got a version of this that had the kills in it, it, it would take it up to a, a 4.0 for me. And then if you could get rid of the telekinesis, I don't know, I'd have to rewatch the movie, but it would be up there. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much all we need to say about this movie. I'm glad we did this. Uh, I had fun. I'm glad we didn't kind of do one of the more standard. Um, A lot of people do the, they talk about the first one and I think we picked a really good one, but not one that's so good. Kind of everybody wants to talk about, talk about it. So I feel like we had a lot of good and bad stuff about this that we brought up. And I think, I don't know. I just think, I think we covered it pretty well and we had a lot of important stuff, a lot of important, important points on it but that's pretty much going to be it um do you got any you got anything you want to add to this before we head out no just uh have a kick ass fucking friday the 13th in october we don't get those very often so enjoy it i hope you guys have a good one see you later